0: And we are live with the Living the Guide Life podcast today, and everybody is getting ready for spring snow goose hunting. So that's kind of what we have on today's agenda, is what to expect when you go on a spring snow goose hunt, your first spring snow goose hunt. Now, when I'm saying that, we're talking about different outfitters that are chasing feeds, we're talking about migrator hunting, Um, the price points, what to do, what to expect bird numbers, dogs, all this different stuff that you're going to expect in a snow goose hunt. So when you're looking at that, um, this is just a great episode to dig into and find out what you need to know before going on your first hunt. Now, today we are brought to you by Chasing Fowl Outfitters. Make sure to go check us out. We have our books open for the 2022 season so go get on our list um we are also brought to you by bourbon media and i'll give them a minute to speak if you're a small business owner in the outdoor industry we get it the words digital marketing can be intimidating you're a grunt work sweat it out bust your chops kind of person who's addicted to progress and put all of your time and energy into operating your business we at bourbon media can help you push it even further We're digital marketing experts. I'm talking web development, content creation, social media management, SEO, paid advertising, the whole nine yards. And as fellow outdoorsmen, we know the industry. Keep your business up to date and expand your reach with digital marketing that is directed at your core market. We are Bourbon Media. Cheers to progression. If you haven't seen their newest profiles, um, the subscription website, are awesome. They are for newer outfitters, there for people that maybe don't want to spend a bunch of money on a new website. Um, so I'd highly recommend checking that out. Also, make sure to go check out Pacific Calls. We are going to be doing a giveaway here pretty soon with a couple of goose calls and duck calls. So you're going to want to keep up to date on that. And I mean, I was watching Zach Rutledge a couple of days ago, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I mean. And talked about how he was struggling to pull snows into the field, and he pulled out their snow storm trooper, and uh, really make the, really change the game for him. So, like I've been saying, guys, check out that snow trooper to uh, maybe change things up in your snow spread. Also, we are brought to you by Mallard Bay. Um, if you're looking for all your needs for different hunts, different fishing trips around the country, you're gonna want to go. Check out their website to see what they have available. Um, Realistically, anything from Minnesota to Texas to wherever you want to hunt, they're probably going to have it. So I'd highly recommend checking them out. Also, today's the day we bring Alex Kostik on. Um, He's getting ready for spring snows in his hometown um, over in South Dakota. And uh, this week he's preparing. They will be running hunts on the 23rd we talked about. And uh, he just wanted to give his input on what he thinks people should expect in snow goose hunt. And, I mean, what I expect when I go on a snow goose hunt, no matter who the outfitter is, um, it's just, you know, some of the things you need to be prepared for that maybe not everyone is ready to hear. Um, And don't be that guy that goes and watches YouTube videos to get hyped up of people killing hundreds of hundreds of snow geese because more likely than not, that's not going to be the reality. Um, I mean, if you have the right weather and you time it correctly, um, it definitely can be like that for migrators. Um, if you're feed hunting, that's a different story as well. So you're going to want to just keep that in mind. But if you're going... <laughs> On your first snow goose hunt, this is probably going to be a great episode for you to just tune into because we dig into very, a lot of controversial topics that, you know, people might've not heard before. And, uh, this will be a great one for you guys. So I hope you enjoy it.
1: We are live with living the guide life podcast. With Alex Chosik on. And we are going to be talking a lot about snow goose hunting on this episode. You know, what to expect on your first snow goose hunt. And just a bunch of other good stuff that uh, if you're going to be snow goose hunting this spring that you want to check out. Alex also runs um, GetGeese.com. So make sure to go check them out. And Alex, how are we doing? Uh, We're
2: doing good. We're doing good. We're just hanging out in uh, frozen... (laughs) north dakota right now waiting for the snow geese to get here
1: i heard that i heard that
2: (laughs) patiently waiting
1: yeah how's the snow line next to you guys where you're at
2: i actually got to the north dakota south dakota border and there's actually not there's not a lot of snow actually i'm surprised actually between i drove up like through iowa up to sioux falls and then over to home and from about iowa to where i'm at there really i mean i don't know there's been recent snowstorms that have gone through you know missouri and iowa and i think parts of nebraska but when I drove home, it was on the 7th March. There was like no snow. So I, yeah. even up here, there's patches, but I'd say our fields are about 80% snow free. It's just that the only thing that's keeping them geese down there is cold temps and like winter events south of us, it seems like. Like, just an odd year. Everything's just like a week late, I would say. Yeah. You know, with they got hammered with a lot of snow and ice in Arkansas and southeast Missouri, which doesn't happen to them a lot.
3: Yeah.
2: Kind of, especially for Arkansas to get, you know, Well, even like one or more winter events. I mean, the last year was the first big winter event I've seen in Arkansas, and there might have been some prior. I don't know. I don't hunt down there, but it just seems like this year they're just getting from you know northwest Missouri to Arkansas. It just seems like they've gotten hit with so like a lot a lot of unseasonably cold weather and a lot of like stout like winter events. Like, I mean, I don't think there's a snow goose north of mitchell south dakota and normally you know about the 15th you start you start seeing them i don't know if we'll see them in eight days hopefully you know probably the next week i think we will but yeah just got a little bit behind odd weather year for the for the southern boys oh snow, ice cold temps weird
1: yeah yeah i hear you on that because i mean i was up in fargo and there's a fuck ton of snow right they had a shit ton. so i don't know if like if there's like half the state that might be covered or what but...
2: yeah it's everything north of here i don't know i thought the snow line was here when i was home for christmas there was a nice even blanket in the snow across the fields but they got some warm weather and they did get a big snowstorm i don't know a couple of weeks ago here dumped a lot of snow but it was so windy it just kind of blew across the fields so like yeah. i mean there's ditches full of snow but the cornfields anything anything worked or you know black dirt was exposed is pretty much uh snow free actually surprisingly yeah. i was I was surprised when I woke up and I you know, just went for a drive and the morning after I got home and I was like, holy cow. Uh, I was like, these things are only a few warm days away from, from being here and I know we're supposed to hit, I think tomorrow's going to be above freezing and then after that, we're looking at, it looks like two weeks of, you know, mid to high 40s and 50s, low yeah. and high 40s. So they'll be up here soon enough. I don't need them here yet anyway because I don't have any decoys in the ground, so.
1: Yeah, I heard <laughs> that. Yeah, I mean, dude, it's supposed to be like, uh,
2: yeah,
1: yeah exactly I, it's like supposed to be like i want to say like 60 like 62 as a high this week where i'm at in minnesota yeah, but like yeah it's it's fucking uh, warm
2: it's definitely going to warm up i think missouri is supposed to get into the 60s and 70s too so they'll push off squad i know there's i know there's a million birds there and there's a bunch eastern illinois i know there's probably another i don't know i know emma Kwan was holding a half million at one point because you know riley in Illinois right now. So he's got a ton of birds from Havana to Illinois. So it seems like the place to be right now is, you know, Northwest Missouri, Squaw Creek area over in Illinois. I don't know. There's still, some, I mean, there's still some left in, in uh, you know, Arkansas and Southeast Missouri too. And I know there's, got a report from a guy that lives in texas that there's still twenty thousand in central texas so the the migration is really really strung out i think once it warms up these adults will roll through quick but i think there's enough young birds this year where it's going to be kind of kind of like last year it was just like so nice and slow and steady and strung out you know we hunted 20 days straight didn't have a problem with the consistency of hunting it just it it seemed like our vein of birds just never really dried up
3: yeah yeah i think
2: that's how it's going to be just because it is it is so stretched out yeah Right now. I mean, you know, there's adult snow geese that are pushing North Yank in South Dakota, and there's guys killing juvies in Central Texas. That tells you one thing. There's geese probably everywhere in between those two locations. So, yeah, she's definitely strung out. You know, I, I know there's guys getting juvies in Arkansas still.
0: Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I saw a guy kill a, uh, kill a Ross
1: that was banded in 14 and yanked in yanked like a couple of days ago. So the adults are starting to push through there but
2: (laughs) yeah yeah they're they're slowly slowly getting there it's just an odd year you know i used to hunt southern nebraska that that uh reservoir on the south dakota nebraska border or south sorry south dakota kansas border i worked for migration next down there in like 2015 i think it was or whatever uh that would get geese you know february 10th and it was on like the 14th or 15th like right around valentine's day and you could it was almost like like clockwork and also now it seems like the midwest have just gotten so much harsher winters it seems like i don't know i don't know if it's true i don't know ben webster says this year at big kansas outdoors was more mild than last winter so i'm not but i thought it was colder personally but so either way either which way it doesn't matter but anyway that that refuge used to hold you know i've seen it at 1.5 million you know middle of february and 1.5 1.5 is like 1.1, 1. 1, whatever it doesn't matter, the number doesn't matter, it's like a million geese. And this year, they didn't get geese there until how like a week ago, like yeah. March 1st. Like, it was like they were like two weeks late to that, it just it stayed like level reservoir just stayed frozen for too long. I don't know why that because you know it just got cold, but no, I mean, normally that place is money like on opener, yeah, February 14th. And this year, I mean, everything, like I said, everything's just late,
3: yeah,
1: oh, yeah. But, <laughs> No, I hear you on that. Yeah, I feel like I mean we've had some cold winters. There's no doubt about that.
2: Yeah. And I know we got a lot more snow than we did last year, uh here. It was just good because we were dry on the farming aspect. But yeah, I mean I thought there was gonna be some good sheet water spots with all of our snow being about melted, but it's actually we're just that I think that first round of melt kind of is <laughs> soaked in. Like it's kinda kinda oh, There's not a bunch of sheet water on here. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I'm sure they'll I'm sure they'll go sit on, on the refugees. But I don't think there'll be a lot of geese roosted up around us this year, which is, which is kind of the hopes. So I like kind of being in a flyover area because you know there's not a lot of competition on the ground around you. Yeah. Kind of it kind of helps. You know, you're working with a lot high, a lot of high, you know, high, high migrating birds and stuff like that. Not having them low feeding around you and stuff. But yeah. I just I just as well not have geese on the ground around me because you get anything that wants to decoy. well, You know, everybody that's ever hunted a snow goose knows that you can't out decoy a live bird.
1: Oh no, not at all. Yeah, I think that's a great point like if you're in a flyover area you're not going to be dealing with like live birds around See
2: that, that's the thing about migrator valley outdoors is like migrator valley outfitters pardon me uh you know that's all that's all migrator hunting but you know they run i mean we run big spreads and stuff i mean i just i just did a 28 20, like a 28 day run or a 30 day run with them in missouri southeast to northwest up to mountain city and then i came up here to get you know my stuff ready i get geese but the thing is about like one of the things I really wanted to touch on is like the price point of these guided hunts, yeah, and like and like what in like what you're getting, like you know, because there's uh, like there's guys in Arkansas that charge you know four to six hundred dollars a day, and they're they're hunting strictly feed fields, right? Like for those of people that aren't familiar with that, that's your your roosting birds that are going to feed they leave at night and then the outlier goes in there and sets decoys where they were the night before you know basically setting up where the geese you want to be for just a morning hunt you know it's probably not going to be any good in the evening you're going to shoot them in the morning but typically those arkansas feed hunts are like a little more consistent just because you're you're going to be where the birds want to be but you yeah. got to look at the price point you know do you want to pay that x amount of dollars for just a morning hunt you know you're not even getting an evening hunt you hunt the morning so basically you're paying for you know, probably four hours of hunting every morning, so probably a total of twelve hours of hunting. You're paying, you know, anywhere from four to six hundred dollars. And the guys that do it do it well. I'm not knocking the guys that charge a bunch of money. I'm just saying people need to understand that you know that's a roost to feed hunt, right? Yeah. That's yeah. That's your outfitter moving decoys every single day. Yeah. All right. Wow. Now, if you're hunting migrators like we do at Migrator Valley, you know we're running more permanent spreads. And that can be, you know, just as effective or just as good as hunting feed. It's just it's all it's all weather dependent. But typically those hunts are a lot cheaper as well. And they're typically an all day hunt when you're hunting for migrators because you don't know what part of the day they're gonna push. You know, it could be right before dark, it could be, you know, the warmest part of the day, it could be right away in the morning, you know, and so you're basically those those migrator slash permanent spreads, you know, they get kind of a bad name because people people go on snow goose hunts and migrator spreads when you know, it's like buying a lottery ticket like we discussed last year when I did the first podcast. You, you book these dates, and if the weather's favorable, you're going to kill geese. And If it's not, yeah, that's just, you know, y- y- you drew a bad card per se, but that's why we're only charging $200 a day because really this whole spring goose thing relies on, you know, it all depends on one thing, and it's, well, two things. And it's two things that a guy can't control, and that's the actions of wild birds and the weather.
3: Yeah.
2: Right? You can have all the best equipment in the entire world, but try to hunt snow geese in unfavorable conditions in the spring. and You're not going to kill anything. It doesn't oh. matter who you are. It doesn't matter what equipment you're running. You know, there's a lot of guys that, you know, getting away from the price points, I guess. Um, there's a lot of guys that, you know, they book these spring snow geese hunts at Migrator Valley. And I know that the management is very good in in uh, selling the details of the hunt and stuff like that, but guys will still show up and be like, Oh, one of the birds been hitting this field. It's like, well, that's, you know, we're hunting migrators, as we told you, you know, and like I said, at the cost basis of $200 a day, I mean, you can't expect us to be out scouting and, and hunting feeds. You know, we're giving, we're giving the general public a very affordable price to go hunt snow geese. And if you've got south winds at five or 10 or a light north wind at five or 10, it's going to be 50, you know, 40 plus, 40 plus degrees that day. You're probably going to have a good time to kill geese. Yeah. You know, it's it's nothing the outfitter is doing. It's strictly the weather conditions when you're there hunting. Yeah, I, that's all it is. Like, I kind of wanted to clear the air because I see a lot of stuff. I follow a lot of pages on Facebook. I'm pretty quiet on there. I, mean, I do comment on a lot of stuff. A lot of people don't even probably know I watch them. I don't, you know, snow geese migration page and stuff. And everybody goes, I went to Arkansas with da 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 and we had a bad time. It's like, yeah, because there was snow on the ground and it was, you know, ten degrees. Yeah. You know, the geese weren't migrating. There's nothing wrong with hunting migrating geese. The problem is, is that your consistency is just a little bit lower. Because you're not hunting feed fields and you're relying on the birds to actually migrate. And then when we get to northwest Missouri, as long as there's birds on, you know, Lowe's Bluff, you know, we hunt the feed fly off Lowe's bluff and migrators. So you're, I mean, you're more of a guaranteed to see birds because, you know, we track the flight off of off of the refuge. And if it moves, you know, we'll move spread and stuff. You know, if you're if you're not under geese, like we're gonna move it. Like if you're not if you're not seeing them, you know, we're not gonna yeah. put you out in a dry, in a dry spread, you know. And I'm a big fan of the migrator hunting just because I like to see them come from the heavens. You know, I'd rather kill you know 20 to 50 that came from a mile up and i had spin you know five times before them you know before they went feet down and we shot them at 20 yards like i I mean i'd rather have it that way
3: yeah
2: sometimes just from a migration spread standpoint you know but the yeah. feed hunts are too are fun too but they're, they're just really fast paced and it's over quick you know
3: yeah oh it's
2: exactly. a nice nice day to be outside and you you go down there to Arkansas, you know you shoot them up in the morning well then you just kind of sit around the rest of it there's not a lot of activities to do you know there's nothing else it's not like in the fall where you can go try to hunt a different species and shoot a limit of that or you know anything like that you're just kind of so i don't know if it's a nice day i mean you might as well just be on the decoys all day which is like i'm saying you know those migrator migrator hunts are super affordable and typically a longer duration hunt as well
3: yeah so, yeah,
2: I don't know. I just kind of wanted to explain the difference to a lot of people. Like I said, the migrator hunters get a lot of bad a lot of bad raps sometimes. but like I said, it's nothing the outfitters doing. it's It's the weather, you know, and I kind of wanted to touch on some of the the myths, like the the misconceptions a lot of people have about about snow geese that they don't typically know. like this year, a big thing was, you know, I just kind of keep a mental note of like things that clients say or you know, their opinions on things or whatever and i kind of just have a mental tally on how many times i hear you know the same thing not being rude i'm just saying you know like one of the most common myths like myths that i heard this this spring was oh it's gonna get it's gonna get really cold like they're gonna want to feed hard we're gonna get them and it's it's actually not to break everybody's hearts but it's actually the opposite you want it i've never very ever maybe in the fall under certain circumstances this is the spring i've never i don't think i've ever had 100 bird shoe in below freezing temps in my entire life
3: yeah
2: like it's just they're not honkers they're not mallards they don't put the feed bags on when they when it gets cold you know what they want to do when it gets cold they want to run they don't like cold even if your water stays open but it gets really cold you're gonna lose a bunch of geese like they hate oh, the cold yeah. yeah cold fronts make them things bounce out so hard in the spring that's exactly the opposite of what you want yeah like yeah. the snow geese are so much more playful when it's warm and breezy than when it's cloudy and cold. Whether you have wind or not, when it's cold, it's still it's still just tough hunting. Like, yeah. you know, and that's where you know if you're in Arkansas on a feed hunt, that's cold. Well, they're still probably going to come there. So I mean, it's kind of a, just a different. It's just a whole different world between the migrating migrator hunting world and the in the feed hunting world. It's kind of, it's kind of the thing I wanted to touch on because, like I said, everybody's just like, oh my gosh, we saw millions of geese and they didn't they didn't decoy and it's like the outfitter must be junk it's like no, it was 20 you know 22 degrees or 15 degrees outside and the decoys were frosty all morning and they were adult snow geese you know that that's the other thing is like if the weather is not you know really holding up the standards as far as goose hunting we get a big cold front and Uh uh you know the geese leave like management will call all the hunters and tell them, you know, what to expect that it's going to be, they're not, basically it's a nice way of calling and telling guys that, Hey, the hunting is not going to be good. Like maybe you should reschedule or just push your dates back. And you know, we get guys that that's still all we want to come and try, which is fine. I mean, you booked your hunt, whatever, like we'll hunt in the cold, but then all I'm saying is when you are ready to leave, don't complain about the number of birds killed when you were literally warned over the phone that, you could potentially have a bad time if you come just because the weather is not conducive to killing snow geese.
1: Yeah. Oh, exactly. Don't let the name, don't let the name fool you. They don't like the cold.
2: Yeah, exactly. They don't like the cold at all. So it's just like things like that. I don't know. The, the outfitter customer relationship has to be pretty open and honest. And I feel like they do, you know, migrator Valley. We do a really good job of that for sure. Yeah. Same with get geese. You know, I already pushed my first three days of hunters back just to ensure there would be geese here. So
1: Oh yeah, I mean you've got to be straightforward in your snow goose hunting because I, mean, I mean, right? It is what it right. is.
2: And the thing is, is like it's one thing if you see them and don't kill them, but you can't have guys out there just not see them at all.
3: Yeah, you know?
2: yeah. I'm not gonna have guys come and just look at empty skies and be like, "Oh, I guess they're not here yet." Well, yeah. obviously, I know they're not here yet because I live here. So yeah, one day, you know, I just figured I'd give us a little three days grace there per se, and I think it's gonna work out for us. Maybe even maybe if they get here a little early, maybe even let a little bit of those adult, those really
3: mean lead edge adults push through. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, I don't
1: I don't blame you one bit. I mean, you got to figure out when they're rolling through, and once they're rolling through, then it's go time. But I mean, yeah, uh-huh. you don't want people just coming out there and not seeing anything.
3: Because
1: mm-hmm. I mean, that's part of the spring snow goose hunt too—is just seeing a fuck ton of birds, like right. you're watching the migration go down and. You're right. out there to try to kill them but you know right. you kill them every time
2: and it's always you know it's called a snow goose hunt everybody wants a snow goose slaughter and a snow goose kill we do our no matter where we're at we do our best to ensure that you're going to kill geese but at the end of the day like i said you can't control the weather and you can't control the way the birds act you yeah. know and, and it was tough in missouri just too because like i said the un, you know the, i don't know if it's ever been that this cold and snowy this late in, in mountain city missouri in a long time yeah, You know, it's just normally, the, normally, like, normally when we get up there, you know, there's a ton of birds on the refuge. It's warm, sunny, you know, and it's just unseasonably cold and snowy. It's just, like, spring's got to come eventually.
1: Yeah. Oh, I hear you on that. Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> other thing is, too, like, I mean, you could be seeing a shit ton of birds, and then you get a snowstorm, and that's a whole reverse migration, and you're right. going to lose all of them, and they're not going to want to fly up. So, like, it's really a gamble. I mean, you... You could be in that time frame of where it's really good, and then all of a sudden, Mother Nature throws a bat, and all of a sudden, they're going back south, and then you ain't going to see a fucking bird.
2: Yeah, not for a few days, anyway. Yeah. And it seems every time they push south, it takes them, like, two days to reboot. Like, even if it's, like, 60 degrees the same day, the next day, it's like they're so tired from pushing south. Like, everybody's like, oh, it's going to warm tomorrow. We're going to see them. It's like, no, it's going to probably take two days because it took them all the way, you know, wherever the hell they flew south to probably gonna rest a day and feed and then the next morning or the next evening you might see them. But they, it seems like I call them reboot days. It's like it takes them a little bit yeah to turn turns them a little it takes them a little bit to turn the sails and, and head back south sa- or north.
3: <laughs> oh yeah exactly. And right. I mean
2: that's yeah. another another thing I wanted to talk about too is like the guys that you know oh we booked you know we booked your opening days like those should be the best days. Like you know like I said it's all weather dependent. I mean the adults can be pushed through early and you could be in and young birds or, you know, whatever the, whatever the circumstances, but, you know, if you show up, you know, our first few days of hunting, no matter where you're hunting, especially if you're hunting migrators, you know, and it's cold and stuff, you're probably not going to have a lot of young birds around. There's a lot of guys that try to jump on opening days that outfitters have to offer.
3: Yeah.
2: And I like, if we're hunting migrating snow geese, I would much rather book, you know, let that outfitter run for a week. And then book book in hopes that a bunch of those adult birds have gone by. Because everybody knows by now that that's how the migration works. That lead edge is all those lead edge old adults that are, you know, 15 to 24 years old or, you know, 10 to 24, whatever the age may be, 7 to 24, whatever. It's all old, you know, breeding birds. They always push through first. Those are those hardcore, smart adults that have seen everything a million times. I mean, they'll sit on ice for two or three days before they head back south. Like, they literally... Are just in such a rush to get north. Like those, those geese are harder to kill. And like a lot of people are like, God, oh, we're we're seeing them, but we're just not killing them. And it's like, honestly, those geese that are flying over hate decoys. They know what they are. Yeah. And people don't. People people think they just magically go up to Canada in the summer and get dumb, and you can kill you know old birds. And under certain circumstances, you can kill birds. You know, in fog or a snowstorm, or you know, a lot of people jump shoot them, whatever. Yeah. But. That age class of birds is just so hard to kill, especially with the limited number of sounds that are put on an e-collar nowadays. I mean, everybody's running the same thing. Yeah. Like, like, same with the decoys. There's only so many brands of decoys that, you know, they all look the same. You know you know why we're not killing adult snow geese? Because they hate decoys. They literally hate what's out in the field. They know. Oh,
1: yeah.
2: I've had them, yeah. you know, land 100 yards outside of my decoys and feed because they want the field, but they know that our, they know that our decoys are decoys. Like, they're yeah. not... But age class of birds is just so hard to hunt. Yeah. And people, it's just so hard for people to grasp. Like, oh my gosh, we saw a million birds that only killed, you know, 15 or 10 or whatever. And it's like, you don't understand that. You know, you look up and all the blues got solid white heads. All the snows are just pearly white. And it's like, yeah, there ain't any young birds in there. That's why we're having, you know, we're struggling. These geese have seen it all a million times.
3: Yeah.
1: The yeah, reason
2: why they live to be twenty-four, and it's not because they're stupid and they like to fly to decoy spreads—I'll so tell you that for free. Oh,
1: exactly. They'd rather fucking go land in a field that has yeah. nothing in it than a fucking decoy spread.
2: Right, and see, those are your. Once again, that just adds to the the odds of success on like a migrator hunt. You know, even I mean, the best way for I think to kill an adult sand goose is when he's migrating, when he's tired, hungry. You know, any any advantage you can get on those old geese is an advantage. I mean. If you're hunting roost to feed geese, those are probably rested geese. You know, the adults probably, I don't know, they won't decoy. I'm on session so they won't decoy, but I don't know. I've had better luck killing migrating adults versus, like, setting up on their feed fields. Yeah. Oh, 100%. You know, yeah. an advantage, I guess, you could say of a migrator spread. Yeah.
1: No, I'm with you because, I mean, spread. they can.
2: You know, and Wait. your migrator spreads are always, are always bigger than feed spreads, too. That's another advantage of, you know, booking a migrator rig hunt. Your, your spread's going to be, you know, 2000 plus decoys where you know in arkansas they're running you know two three hundred full bodies off the edge and calling it good and they're you know i mean they're still getting them you don't need a lot of decoys to kill them down there but i'm just saying if you like hunting for big decoy spreads that's another advantage of the migrator of the migrator spread hunt versus like your feed hunt
1: yeah no i'm i'm with you on that and like i mean you yeah. you can watch those birds fly from fucking missouri to south dakota in one day no problem and if you can get into yeah, that rest area like you're golden
2: yeah, I've had them. Um, God, I've had it where I've left Missouri and didn't see a snow goose north of Yankton, South Dakota, last spring on my way north, and three days later they were on the North Dakota border. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I don't know the weather, once the weather turns, but like I said, you just got to watch, you got to watch, and for those of you that do book snow goose once listen to this, watch next time you go on one. Just look up at those flocks of geese, and you know, you know, just as well as I do, that the young birds have have a lot of gray feathers in them right so look for blues without white head yeah and look for snow geese that got that you know that gray tint to them and you'll know exactly how your success is going to be just by the age class of birds that you're hunting
0: oh exactly yeah you
2: look in the sky
1: and it's fucking shining white that's not a good sign
2: yeah you know you know it's probably gonna it's probably gonna be tough those things are just tough old birds just it's just the way that you know we've hunted them for years and years and you know when you when you shoot a flock of snow geese and there's you know five thousand you know the first ten drop in and you shoot those and there's five hundred above them well then five hundred just learned what decoys are yeah and guess what tomorrow that same group of geese might fly into another decoy spread and the and the ones that hang up from that spread now they know oh now they've seen two different ways of being hunted and pretty soon you know it's just the way that we've educated these geese there's no there's nobody else to blame for smart snow geese besides ourselves because we've taught them everything that we know and with you know, technology's only gone so far as ways to fool me You know but the rotary machine used to be awesome. The clone yeah. decoys are the cone decoys still work pretty good. Yeah, but I mean, there's no new advancements in snow goose technology, and the geese are only really getting smarter.
1: Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they got to they got to figure out something next to you know change their minds a little bit because yeah,
3: it's like you'll see only the that, yeah.
1: and it's just like I mean, those are your juvie jiggers. Like
3: right.
1: they were great for juvies, but you ain't going right. to kill yep. fucking snows. Over. You ain't going to kill adults over them.
2: Right. I don't, I personally don't like to run a lot of motion. I yeah. don't know. I bring, I bring it out there and stuff just in case, you know, the, the customers want to try and stuff. My best shoots this year with a, what I call, you know, a flat rig. I took, I took everything down. I took flyers down, I took rotaries down and just <laughs> seemed like I had a, a better success that yeah. way.
1: Or, I mean, if you're throwing like clones, like low in the spread, I mm-hmm. feel like that's just a nice touch where it's like, Right. I mean, they're not high up. They're just kind of a little bit of motion in the spread, kind of gets their eyes off of everything.
2: Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, not- I'm not against motion. It just seemed like, an, like I said, we just got, it was so unseasonably cold in both north and northeast and south, or northeast or northwest and southeast Missouri, sorry, that we just were dealing with a lot of adult birds. And I just, I couldn't get them to really take too much motion. I, like I said, I had my, my better hunting on especially on days when i had some wind i just take most of that stuff down it seemed like it helped but
3: yeah
1: yeah no i hear you on that i i don't know like the flyers and stuff they're great in the fall fucking kill them over them in the fall but i feel hey. like in the spring everyone's rocking flyers because they're fucking ten dollars a flyer or whatever it is
3: mm-hmm. and so
1: you can just fucking run a shit ton of them oh that's hey. all they're seeing they're seeing the rotaries whatever it is and so it's like well that works great for the juvies because the juvies are dumb but if you're trying to target adults I don't know if that'd be the way to do it I think the clones if the clones are still working like they should like I mean not right. not running a ton of them but like I mean you maybe throw one in the spread and one high or wh- whatever it may be test it out right. I feel like yeah. that's going to be your way to kill them not the fucking flyers
2: right you know oh, for sure and every day is different i mean yeah I've had, I've had like like i said i like how to migrate like the migrating adults like i said i feel are, are just a little bit more i don't even know how to put it they're a little more not easy to kill but i think like they're a little more willing to work decoys if that makes sense and I've, and I've had good adult shoots every once in a blue moon you get a sunny you know where there's only like a five to seven mile per hour running and you need a little motion and you're killing adults over rotaries. I've seen it happen. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just saying
3: yeah.
2: every situation's different. You know, and like, like when I was hunting down Northwestern Street, a lot of that was just feed flight off of Squaw Creek. So they weren't already like, you know, overly high. Yeah. So I didn't need a bunch of motion to get them working. Yeah. So it just depends where you're at and stuff, but I'm just, I've never been, I mean, I'm not a huge, huge fan of it, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody, it everybody does Everybody does something different. That's why we can still kill a few of these things once in a while because they yeah. don't see the exact same thing every day. They don't hear the exact same thing every day, but pretty dang close.
1: Yeah. Oh, exactly. And if they're seeing yeah. that from fucking Arkansas to Canada,
2: I can't tell you how many Snapchat stories I've watched of snow geese getting shot this spring over over the old snowbait tracks. It's unreal.
1: Yeah. What's the fucking <laughs> snowbait tracks?
2: The old feeders and fighters It's a it's an old audio track that was made a long time ago for oh, really? on snow. Yeah. It's, but it's the like the the album is like Snow Bay, and then underneath that album, it's like, it's called Beaters and Fires. I don't know how many times I can tell you a lot. I can name a lot of the sounds the guys run because it's always, you know, almost well, times on Snapchat anyway. It's always the same five sounds.
1: Yeah, yeah. That might be another thing too is trying fucking older sounds that they
3: haven't heard in a long time.
2: You no, know, I'm about to break out the old Johnny Stewart e-collar, put that little little cassette tape or that little chip in there, and run a one speaker. Yeah, old one, on him with a PA with a cassette tape in it.
3: (laughs) Oh yeah,
1: it might be the power move.
2: Yeah,
1: it could be. I definitely could be the power move. And like, I mean, when you're having guys come out there, like, what's, what do you think would you would say your ideal client would be coming on a snow goose hunt?
2: What would you say? What? Sorry.
1: Your ideal client for a snow goose hunt. It's
2: you know I have. I mean, I've met a lot of good, I've had a lot of good ones and it has really nothing to do with age or location as far as like which region my clientele is the favorite, you know, my favorite clientele comes from or anything like that. A lot of, basically as a guy in the spring, you just really want guys that understand that it's hunting, it's not killing. If you can have guys that are willing to come and maybe only shoot 10 birds a day for three days and not throw a hissy fit, like those are the kind of guys you want. Yeah. Yeah. you know exactly. and not and not so and not so we have guys that are just prepared to fail because we i mean it's fairly it was actually fairly consistent hunting this spring as far as the migrator went migrator rigs went especially with the weather yeah like i'm not saying i want guys that will come and shoot nothing and not walk away pissed off that's not what i'm saying at all i'm just saying we want guys that if it does not you know go and, well uh, yeah we want guys that aren't going to get on social media and blast us and we want guys that you know aren't going to ask in you know for a refund just they didn't shoot enough it's you know you're paying to go hunting as soon as we get like as soon as we get out into the field and you're physically hunting like that was our job to yeah. take you hunting
3: yeah whether
2: it's a morning hunt or an all day hunt you know we're going to be there for the duration that we've advertised that we've sold you but at the end of the day if we don't kill enough geese, as long as we're there on time and we hunt as long as we've advertised the hunt for and we've tried our best there's no reason you should leave upset you should leave upset as it you know if we're showing up late to the field you, you get there you know 50 minutes after sunrise and there's birds working the spread or yeah. you know the, the lodging was dirty not acceptable or you know stuff like that but these guys getting and i'm, and I'm not trying to make excuses for outfitters that have disappointed customers because they all do yeah just you want guys that I can handle being disappointed if that happens. Like I said, our yeah. goal is not just to take your money and you haven't had time or anything like that. I don't want people to get a weird opinion on, you know, like that, but I'm just saying, it, you know, you don't kill them all the time every day. I don't care who you are.
3: Yeah. Oh, exactly.
2: Yeah. I mean,
1: yeah, like you were saying, it's one thing to, you know, guys that are out there grinding their ass off and trying new sounds and trying flyers or clones or whatever it is, trying different shit throughout the day that are, You know, really making an effort and on time to the field, making sure everyone's set up correctly, you know, all that kind of stuff that, I mean, is what you want on a hunt. I mean, if somebody's going to be taking you out, you want to, you want to give it your all that day. You want to try everything you can to kill those geese. But you know, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Right.
2: And if your guide's out there trying all that kind of stuff too, I mean, that's, as long as there's some sort of effort and, you know, you're social, don't if you're hunting layouts or anything or whatever don't sit there on your phone all day and not yeah. talk to people get to get to know the clients and stuff like that you know there's there's a there's an amount of etiquette on both sides that really makes the the client you know outfitter relationship a lot of times enjoyable every once in a while you kind of get you know some guys that unfortunately just don't understand that sometimes that either the weather is not you know Good for killing snow geese or the birds that are there, you know. There's so many times I'm sitting there watching them snow geese fly I'm like, oh man, them are smart ones. And the customers go, how do you know? I'm like, okay, I want you know, here's a Google, here's a picture of a, a Juvie blue. Do you see any of these in there? Yeah. No. Well, you know, that's that's why we're not having a good time. Yeah. That's <laughs> just, and that's why a lot of guys, you know, canceled their hunts and stuff in 2019. There was no, there was no juvenile hatch nowadays. Outfitters and stuff, and snow geese hunters in general are pretty much just. <laughs> With the exception of the jump shooters, I guess, that can that'll sneak up on those adults and kill them. Basically, this this whole thing is just built on you know preying on the population of young birds, yeah, which is dumb. I mean, yeah, they're they're easy to kill, you know, you're Mm. a lot of fun when you do kill them, but it's just just to the point where a guy, like I said, a guy can't kill a bird that's more than two years old, hardly,
1: yeah, oh, exactly, yeah, and I mean.
2: (laughs) Like, there's, like I said, there's exceptions. We had, we had fairly good luck with the adults up here last year. I don't know why. I mean, you came out and saw. I don't know oh, we yeah. were here, here for, what, a week or so. I don't even know how yeah. long you were here, but... Yeah, I was, but you there, can... I was there for,
1: shit, probably five or six days. And, I mean, I think I think the lowest we shot was, like, 40 in one day.
0: Yeah. I think that was, like,
1: no. the least amount we shot. And then I think the most we shot in one day was, like, 82. Right. So, I mean, like...
3: And then, guys... and then like... <laughs>
1: You guys they were staying on the fucking and yeah, they were fucking all adults. Like,
2: I mean, we shot what? I don't even know if you were there for all mm-hmm. of them, but I think that there was like a I don't know. There was probably like a ten day stretch where we were killing, killing most of the adults. They were both. They were kind of strung out and just kind of seemed to hang around forever last year. Luckily, like I said, they were. Actually fairly friendly, surprisingly. I couldn't believe it, but I think we shot four four leg bands in that ten day stretch. The youngest one I believe was like four or five years old and they were all up from there. Yeah. So that tells you what age class of birds are in. Like I said, migrating adults. That's probably the only way a guy can kill an adult snowies you if he's you know, if he's tired and he wants to come down.
3: Yeah. If you don't
2: want to come down, he can come down. But you know, like I said, if you if you can find birds if you can get on a point when you're hunting migrators where they've flown for a while. And they're just a little bit tired. I feel like that's just a really good factor to kind of think about when you're hunting adults. You know, what I mean if you go like even like Migrator Valley, like they set up way like I don't know, I'm not gonna give exact locations, I guess, but they hunt quite a ways north of block Creek, and that's because or Lowe's bluff, I should say now it is, but and that's there's a reason for that, because they're not gonna hop up off the water and wanna feed right next to the refuge, like they're gonna go on a long fleet feed flight, they're always gonna go north and kinda of test the you know, test the water to see how far north they can go. And that's you know that's a smart thing to do because that way you're at least giving yourself a fighting chance if you're hunting twenty miles north of the refuge. Well, okay, if they flown twenty miles on their feed flight, like they gotta come down and feed sometimes. So
3: yeah.
2: I don't know. It, you gotta you gotta keep that kind of stuff in mind too is like you want those geese to be as tired or as possible per se. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't like hunting around big ref like close close to big refuges like i said i I like to be you know if there's a million birds on Will's bluff i want to mm. be north better a long way so i can get them when they're somewhat tired or, you know ready to come down
3: i yeah. guess
1: yeah
3: no i'm you with know, just, i'm
1: with you
2: it's like, like if i was in yankton right now and those birds those birds were on missouri river or wherever the heck they are i'd probably go 20 miles north of there
3: yeah yeah
2: there and on, and on, on cold shitty days, you're, they're probably going to feed right off the river somewhere, and you might get screwed. But on the days they push north, and they flown for twenty, thirty miles north, that's a you know better chance of killing straight adults than unless you're hunting the feeds off the refuge. That's the exception, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. The migrating <laughs> adult snow geese you saw last year, they're not un, They're not unkillable. You just got to get lucky once in a while.
1: Yeah. Oh, exactly. I mean, like hunting right off the river like yankton or whatever it may be i mean that's just tough like those birds are so close to other live birds that it's like
2: when well, they go on a feed flight they yeah. they don't i just two or three miles a lot of times they go a pretty good ways you know
3: yeah i Actually, mean if you,
2: ever sit, if you ever sit and watch them even before you stick a decoy in missouri i mean those things will be flying a long ways from the refuge to go feed
1: yeah oh 100 percent I mean, yeah.
2: if you set up next to the refuge, I feel like you're just going to see them get off the refuge and get, you know, high, get super high and just head north. Yeah. And all the spread north, you're going to have good shooting because eventually they're going to want to come down and feed before it's dark.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm with you on that 100%. Oh,
2: there's a lot of factors that go into it. And a lot, of the, a lot of the clientele just doesn't understand because they don't they do not do it a whole lot. And that's why I was kind of taking this to kind of clear the air on a lot of these things to see, you know, stuff. But people can kind of see it from our from our perspective like yeah. just because we've been chasing them so long and we know we know what to look for and stuff like that just there's a lot of general stuff that people don't realize
3: yeah
1: yeah that, cause, i mean everybody thinks like oh shit i want to go hunt right next to the refuge because a bunch of birds are dumping in from the south but like you don't realize like those birds are coming to rest like they've They've already done their feeding. They've already done whatever. They're coming to the water. They're going to hang out at the water and then they're going to leave straight north from there. They're not going to fuck around with your spread right around live birds when they know right. that right. they can tell that those are live birds and yours aren't.
3: Right? Yeah.
0: Like.
2: And then the other thing, I actually made this is going to be going to be funny. I actually made a list of things that I don't know if they're unsung laws. At least at like not unsung laws, but. I would say in an unwritten list of things is like a guide running a migrator rig in Missouri. Yeah. Kind of I don't say expects of their clients but kind of would like their clients to acknowledge per se, I don't know, some you know like so basically what I'm getting at is I guess stuff that I don't know how to put it kind of like courteous things a client could do to make the hunt experience better for the guide yeah that makes sense yeah i can't really think of a word there but like for example you know as a guide when i get up in the morning i got to grab my e-collar that's plugged in I Gotta make sure i got my speakers if we're running rotaries that day i got to make sure i got three four chart fully charged car batteries you know i got to bring my dog yeah i got a lot of i got a lot of stuff going on early in the morning you know if it's your first day and you didn't you know sign your waivers and mail them in i gotta have you sign waivers and maybe collect the other half of your deposit you know there's just a lot of a lot of moving parts early in the morning yeah and so it's like a customer if you can you know a lot of these fields farmers don't want us driving in because of compaction we got to use it you know side by side or even a four wheeler and a sled so you know don't bring the world with you i know it's an all-day hunt i mean i get it and you need certain amenities while you're hunting you know snacks drinks whatever but Don't bring your, you know, fifty gallon Yeti cooler and throw it in the back of my sled behind my four wheeler and say, oh yeah, this is all of our, this is all of our lunch and stuff. It's like, you know, number one, I need room to put my stuff in there. Number two, you know, I got to get out there and unload all these batteries, hook up the rotary machines, put up flyers if it's windy enough. You know, I got a lot of stuff to do when I get out there. I need all my equipment out there, preferably in one trip. Yeah. And so, you know, don't bring, you know, when we hunted the pits in Southeast Missouri, used to hunt pits down there, and God, guys would bring grills and freaking full-size Yeti coolers, and yeah, there was room in the pit. That wasn't the problem, but I got to haul all that stuff in and out. Yeah, you know, which brings me to my next point: going with the coolers and the food. The best thing you can do on one, you know, an all-day snow, unless it's unless they're migrating all day. I understand if there's birds pushing, but typically with that feed flight off of Squaw Creek, middle of day is pretty boring. Yeah. Especially setting up north of Squaw Creek, if you have migrators coming from the south, well, where are they going to end up? In Squaw Creek with the other million birds that are sitting on there, right? Yeah. So as a client, you know, if your guide wants to go take a one to two hour break and get, you know, get lunch and take his boots off and sit in the chair for an hour and then come back or, you know, maybe he's got dogs. Even, you know, if, if you booked your own party and you have your own dog, we'll get to that aspect in a second yeah you know maybe maybe a guy's got to run back to the guide house and let his dogs out if if the other guys that are hunting that day are busy you know touching up spreads they're setting a new spread you know there's there's certain you know stuff guys that are out doing to try to better our situation that don't need to be messing you know with my dogs yeah. i got two of them so you know if i want to take a, if I run back you know run back 15 minutes to the guide house and you know let my dogs out and grab a lunch or whatever i mean it's like super cool when you get customers that are like oh yeah you know even we you know even we could take a lunch or they could you know, they want to leave for lunch too. We'll just establish a time to be back. We'll meet back at the field. I'll get him a pin or I can meet him at the meeting spot that we met in the morning. It's on issue. But definitely allow your guy to take a lunch because, yeah. like I said, we have a lot of moving parts in the morning. The last thing I want to do upon trying to remember everything that I need for the morning is try to, you know, drag myself a lunch longer, make a lunch quick in the morning. Yeah. And everybody's like, well, why don't you do it at night? Well, it's spring, snowy, sunny. A lot of times we don't get back to the house till 730 eight o'clock we got to plug our batteries and we got to clean our birds we got to find ourselves supper maybe catch a shower we got to take care of dogs it's like the last thing i want to do the night that i get in the you know the evening i get back is make myself a watch so yeah. like you know if your guide wants to take a break you got to understand you know we're out in the we're out in the field probably 14 16 hours a day every day that we're working for migrator valley if you can just give your guide a break you know that's kind of a kind of a nice thing
1: oh 100 percent. i think that should be just well, written, then, and written and then in the role
2: right and then you avoid you know leaving your you know you avoid the guys bringing these big bulky coolers and stuff out into the blinds or you know i've had guys literally bring big coolers out there when we're hunting layouts and just try to bury them in a bright white cooler and behind layouts with corn stalks I'm like it's never gonna work yeah no you know and it and then you just kind of eliminate all that because you just you know a lot of times my safety talk i'll be like yeah you know eleven thirty noon i'll probably take a lunch and you know, before we leave the trucks, I typically tell them, you know, hey, I think we're going to, you know, we'll take a lunch at noon today unless they're flying all day. But I just it'd be nicer just, you know, guys just left those big bulky coolers and all their grills. And I know they're excited. They're on a big hunt trip with the boys and they want to they want to cook lunch at the field. And that's cool. You know, it's a boy's trip. I get it. Yeah. But just leave that stuff at the trucks. Oh, yeah. and you can walk back to get, the truck um,
1: and make a lunch shit. break. You
2: can go back to the trucks. You can have your your food, whatever, and stuff like oh. that. Just try to avoid bringing so much I shouldn't say clutter because I'm sure it's important hunting gear to most people, but try to avoid bringing all that those extra items out in the field, especially in the spring when you can't take a pickup out there. Yeah. You know? Like like oh, yeah. I don't want to have to make two trips just because you want to bring three coolers out there. I'd like yeah. to make one trip out there, set my stuff out, go park the wheeler and start hunting. Yeah. Or go, you know, go park the ranger or whatever we're we're driving. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then the next point I want to make is, oh yeah, dogs, <laughs> client dogs. I'm
3: sure there's plenty of guys
2: out there with uh, good dogs upset anybody. I know dog pride is a real thing, but if your guide has dogs or your outfitter has dogs, probably leave your dog at home. Yeah. And I'm not saying it just because I've had some really misbehaved client dogs, but it's just kind of, it's just kind of one of those things as a guide that I don't want to have to worry about somebody else's dog. Yeah. You know, especially if we're running a mixed group, it's different if you book your own field and you're, you know, you and all your buddies are comfortable with that dog. But, you know, if your dog breaks and, you know, you're in a mixed group, I mean, who's to say there's people there that have never dealt with a dog that breaks and you're, you know, we've got low geese out front. I say shoot them and your dog runs out there and gets shot. Yeah. You know, I can, in my safety meeting, I can only tell them so many times, you know, we have a, basically we have a stranger's dog out here, no idea how it hunts. Don't know if it breaks. So if it messes anything up, it's on the owner. And you know, if it breaks, I guess make sure there's sky above the dog before you shoot. But it's like this is one of those odd deals where, especially in a mixed group, it's just odd because you know the dog. You know, this dog breaks, and there's clients shooting birds over your dog, but you can't. I mean, these guys, those clients are there to kill geese, so I can't just say not to shoot them just because the dog guy doesn't want us to shoot geese over So his- I just gets to be, you know, just let the guy run his dog.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, mean,
2: if you're it, if your guide is, has
1: a dog, there's no reason for you to bring a dog. I mean, that's what we tell people as well. It's like, okay, you book your own group. That's great. If all your six or more buddies are fine with your dog breaking and they understand what your dog has to offer, that's not affecting on how that's affecting on how the experience is in general, but it's also affecting on how we're killing birds. And stuff like that. And I mean, you, you're you on a guided hunt. You want to enjoy it. You want to, you know, be out there and not have to worry about a thing. Don't fucking worry about your dog. Like, leave it at home. Like, if your dog is not there and it's not going to, it's going to break every time or whatever it is, don't give yourself a headache. You're already paying a certain amount of money. Like, just leave it at home. You don't want to deal with the headache. You're out there with your buddies. You're out there to have fun. Like, if your dog's great, great. That's awesome. Like you go hunt with your dog at home, whatever. If it's your duck blind buddy, I mean, that's awesome. But if like a guide has a dog, just don't worry about it. Cause that's just something that just not necessary. And I know everyone loves to bring their own dog and everyone loves to hunt over their own dog and show off their own dog, whatever it is. But right. if it's not going to be out there steady and, Listen to every command that you have, like, just don't bring it. My, my thing is also like, I mean, the biggest thing is if you do bring your dog on a guided hunt, my thing is it needs to not break. That's the first thing that's obvious, but also right. like, it kind of shows like the dog itself on like how qualified it is on like blind retrieves. Can your dog do a blind retrieve? If it can't do a blind retrieve, probably don't bring it on the hunt. Not saying that all guide dogs can do that, but that's just something like your dog should be at a whole nother level compared to like and when you're bringing it out, not saying that every guide dog needs to do a blind retrieve, but I'm right. saying that if you're going to bring your own dog out, it should be on another level than what you'd expect out of a dog. Yeah. Yeah, no,
2: I hear you there. And, and I've had really good experiences too. I'm not, it's not, and that's not directed at any one oh, person. Yeah. yeah. You no, know, any, anything like that. It's just, it's, you know, it's, and it seems like it's just a no happy medium. It's either they're just money. Like I've had some guys show up with whistle trained, you know, I mean, specimens just that just rip, you know, they're yeah. just a great steady, but you know, as soon as they're sent, they're on a whistle, they're hand signaled. Like I've had, I've had experience like that. I'm like, holy crap, like you got a badass dog. Yeah. But I've also had it where it won't stay in a dog blind and it needs to stay in a layout blind. And then. Yeah. You're sitting up shooting, not only with a live dog jumping in front of your gun barrel to run out to the decoys, but you're also shooting right next to your dog's head without ear protection. Like those dogs are going to be like. So it's just like I said. It's just one thing that I just don't want to worry about. You know, I don't need it. I don't need dogs jumping out of layout blinds when I call a shot, running in front of an entire roll of guns.
1: Yeah, and it's just like, like I said, you—they don't need the headache. You're on a guided hunt to have fun Uh, with your buddies. Like, don't give yourself that headache. You don't need it. You're paying all this money. Like, go enjoy it. Don't worry about your dog. Worry about your shooting. Worry about hanging out with your buddies. Like, right. that's my biggest thing is like, I mean, last year when we were running groups before I had my pup. Now, that's what I would tell people is if they'd ask to bring a dog. I'm like, well, first off, if it's your own private group, that's one thing because. Right. Like that's the, only way, that's the only way I allow it. Yeah, that's the only way we'd allow it too. Is like if it's your own private group, that's one thing, because then that affects the hunt. And if your buddies are okay with your dog affecting the hunt in a negative way, that's on you and your buddies if like it ruins their hunt and they're fine right. with that. Like and they want to hunt over your dog, great. That's all on you and your buddies. But if you're doing a mixed group, like it's just not worth the headache for me. And it's not worth the headache to tell you to go put your dog away. And then me getting yelled at for saying, oh, well, my dog's fine. He's, he's okay. I, you you don't need to worry about him. Well, it's like, no, dude, like we do need to worry about him because we're hunting with other people that may have never hunted over a dog or are getting annoyed because your dog's acting up. And it's just like, if a guide has a dog, that's the dog that should be ran unless it's a private group and then you could maybe say something about it. But even then, like with my dog, even if it's a private group, I'm going to be like, man, I'm sorry, but it's just, I I have my own dog. I don't need, a. don't need that extra headache. The
2: other thing is too, is like a a lot of people don't take this into, you know, into uh, consideration is a lot of these dogs that come are, you know, people come to Missouri to kill snow geese or South Dakota to kill snow geese, a lot of times they typically come from places that don't have snow geese, correct?
3: Yeah.
2: And so my thing is, is like, it's overwhelming for a dog that's used to hunting over, you know, four dozen honker decoys and retrieving, you know, you know, small limits of honkers every weekend versus coming and hunting over a spread of 2000 decoys and you got loudspeakers ripping around you. And yeah. sometimes, you know, you get those big overwhelming spins of snow geese. It's just, it's, oh, it's really overwhelming. For a dog that's never snowed, he's hunted to go out there and just have speakers, you know, constant noise and just, you know, it takes him a little bit to get used to it. You know, my puppy's 11 months old now, and I mean, he's doing well, but when I first first ran him in Canada this fall on some fun hunts, I didn't even run him with any customers in Canada. Yeah, And there was just, you know, throwing a bumper through three dozen goose decoys out in a wheat field in North Dakota versus a full snow spread and a constant sound of an e-collar was a totally different world
3: yeah oh 100
2: and and that's and that's how it is a lot of times for dogs no matter what the age just because they've never even you know seen a snow geese before and it's just the whole situation is a little overwhelming and i feel like even you know some customers dogs that are really good that come hunt snow geese the dog just doesn't know what to do yeah (laughs) like the guy, you know like you get that all the time oh you know my dog's not normally like this and i'm like oh i believe you it's just it's an overwhelming situation you know your dog's probably not a bad dog but it takes it the surgeon the serious hunting is just so much different, even from a dog's yeah.
1: aspect. Oh, I mean it's so much I mean, every hunting is different and it's all like about what the dog knows. Like, I mean, if your dog's hunting your same duck blind every weekend for the fall, and you're right. only shooting six ducks every time, and then you decide and I mean it's doing great. Your dog's doing killer, it knows the all blind, right. that's all it hunts, like it's ready to go every time you're out there and you're like, man, this dog's awesome. It does everything I want. And then you bring it into a field with a snow goose spread of a thousand decoys and you're running e callers and you're running pl- like guns with no plugs. Like that's a whole different environment. Just like if you were to bring, I mean, just like if you were to have that same dog that's hunting the same duck blind every time, and then you want to bring it on a field goose hunt and it's just a way different environment that they don't understand. Right. and it's not it's not their fault it's just right. what they're what they know and what they're used to
2: and a lot of these dogs that come out of places where people hunt from boats i mean the dog normally has free reign of the boat basically and then you yeah. try to put them in a little square cube all day out in the field you know a dog glide they're just like you know i'm used to being able to roam up and down the seats of the boat and yeah. stuff like that and it's just like they're just not used to it you know and it's just like i said it's easier if the outfitter just ran his dogs or the guys you know ran their dogs like not even being rude it's just one of those things where it just kind of adds another aspect to the hunt that the guy's got to be mindful of and watch for you know if that dog is you know if he got birds working and that dog's breaking before you're shooting like unfortunately you're gonna have to tell the owner hey you know your dog messed that up for everybody else like you're gonna have to go it's just the way yeah. it is you know and leads me to my next point the ultimate the ultimate two top irritants of a snow goose guide right here I would say is the top probably the top two maybe in my book I'm not sure I'm sure it's in a lot of other guys books. but first of all is shooting before the shot is called yeah and every year no matter how old or young the group of guys is I always have that one guy in that one group or you know two groups that just he's used to hunting hawkers and when three geese come in Wants to shoot him even when there's 500 behind him and the guy doesn't call the shot and he sits up and shoots. I yeah. And I guarantee you, everybody has had this and it really, really, really pisses a guy off.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh yeah. Actually, during the morning safety speech, I guarantee you, 99% of guides will say, "Do not shoot unless I call the shot."
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And every time, every time, you get somebody that does something stupid, sits up and shoots a bird out of turn. But luckily, normally, like, the guide doesn't have to get after him too hard because their buddies get pissed at him, right? Like, oh, yeah. I had, one, I had one this year where I think his buddies are madder than I was, so that worked out pretty well. But he didn't do it again. But yeah. it's just, like, that's, like, the ultimate frustration. Then the other the other frustration that I would say, which every, every guide I'm sure has ever bitched about, <laughs> is, the, like, tips.
0: Oh, my God, yeah.
2: Like, there is nothing more frustrating... Then a spring service guy that gets up at 4.15 every morning, 4.30, gets all of his stuff, is on time, doesn't forget anything. You know, you have all your ducks in a row for the morning. You know, you do everything you're supposed to, and then the geese don't cooperate all day. And then, you know, maybe they don't cooperate for three days. Like I said, depends how the weather was or what kind of geese were there. But there's nothing worse than you doing everything right. And everything within your power to kill a us, no use within the law yeah. of decoying snow Obviously, we're not going to go jump shoot snow geese. That's not what we're doing here. We're decoying snow geese. But mm-hmm. I'm just saying, if you do all of that, there's no reason why your tip should have any reflect on the number of birds killed. There's a total, total disregard there for people because they say, oh, we didn't kill nothing. Like, this guy sucks. That's not the case at all. Yeah. You know, if you did your job, I can know if you're showing up, like I said, late to the field. You're forgetting stuff. You know you're rude to your customers. You're antisocial, whatever. You know you're I mean, not, you know you're not respectful.
1: Yeah, it's just it's like just that. like the I mean restaurant type of deal. Like if you're right. if your waiters like always there, asking if you need refills, checking on you. Da 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 da. It's not their fault if the food's bad. Like that's not how your tip should be reflected. Right. If they're doing yeah. everything in their power to make your experience better their tip right. their that that should be their tip now if so your food's else, bad that's not on them they're not making the food for you
2: like you know, a lot of guys don't realize that you know there's a lot of mornings we get out of bed we know it ain't gonna be good yeah but we have have to go we have to go surprise you know provide a service and put on a good attitude and you know try everything within your power to get these guys a snow goose yeah you know no matter what the weather is i mean that's that's our job but if we do everything in our power and you don't kill a hundred, there's no reason why you shouldn't give the guy what he deserves for working hard while you were there for three days, whether you killed ten or ten thousand. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I absolutely hate that. Oh, yeah. Here's you know, little handed. Yeah, the hunting was really tough, and it's like, yeah, the hunting was tough, but I did everything in my power to get the, the geese that we did kill. So like, I don't know, you know, what the issue is. You know that, like you said, that's like a. A waitress doing everything right, and then handing them bad food, and they, t- they and, and it, and it's on the cook. It's not even on the waitress, but yeah. they take it out on the waitress.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: You no, know? I'm sorry. The geese didn't want to die today. Like, I don't know, what, I don't know what you want me to do, but I did everything I could. Like, is that worth anything to you? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people know because they didn't get a giant picture of birds to send home to their wife or the, their wife that thinks they wasted a bunch of money chasing a geese, or you know, to their buddy. You know, they didn't get to send a power picture to their buddies back home that were jealous that you got to go on a diet spring snow Like, yeah. You know, in a lot of and a lot of times, like I said, it's it's the weather. <laughs> like I'm telling you, I, I I hunted this year, Northwest Missouri opening day, the first day we hunted up there this spring, and I think the wind chill was probably negative five that morning. There was snow on the ground. Yeah. And like I said, these people had been notified that it was going to be tough, and I literally sat out there all day to kill one goose.
3: Yeah.
2: And it was and it was a small it was a small group of guys, and dude, I bet they killed. I mean, they didn't kill a whole ton of geese, like I said, just, just because of weather, so nothing we were doing wrong. We saw we saw geese, they just didn't want to cooperate. It was colder now outside. And uh and they still took care of me. That's the kind of people that we're looking for as well, you know. Like, not to be a jerk, but if you come book with us and you're whoever you're hunting with, or you know, even if you get a couple different guides in, in two days, whatever the case may be, as long as they do what what you know, if you're satisfied with their effort. Then forget about the number of birds killed and take care of the guy. Like that's all awesome. yeah. you know. That, I mean, that's a large part of a lot of guys' in, in and clean line is is those tips. Yeah. You maybe. know
1: what
2: I mean? I mean, there's 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 good paying spring studies jobs out there, and there's some that aren't so good paying. And especially the guys that work for that the operations that you know maybe just run less fields or have less clientele and just don't generate a very a, a huge you know net number at the end. that just can't afford to pay guys what maybe other outfitters are just because you know they're just not as big they're just not as big
3: yeah exactly
2: nothing wrong with that i mean it's like anything you got to budget your expenses to make sure you come out ahead yeah same with your salary for your guides Oh,
3: (laughs)
1: yeah if you're you're a small outfit i mean you can't like you're gonna do the best you can to pay your guides and make sure that they're happy with what they're getting but at the same time like you have to remember that it's a tip job. Like just like caddying, like you're not getting paid a ton. You're banking on your tips. Like that's the biggest thing that comes out of it is if you're going to go out there and spend all day and you get a $10 tip, it's like, well, this, this fucking sucks. Like I did everything I could. I worked my ass off, but I'm only getting a $10 tip. Like these guys, this is a tip paying job, no matter who you are. No matter, of, no matter what guy. outfit you're working at i mean
2: it's it's a large source of any guy's income you know so like i said it's people need to kind of turn the other cheek and be like oh we didn't kill nothing this guy sucks we're not gonna tip them you know if, if i did a satisfactory job getting you out in the field in the morning getting everything set up everything running smooth yeah you know fixing fixing decoys that may have tipped over in a high wind if we had a high wind you know that sort of stuff you'll know, make it you know make it a good experience regardless of how many we kill i just feel like a tip should really rely on the number of birds killed yeah it's not a salary
1: paying job like that's what people don't understand
2: like i mean you get like,
1: paid weekly on what you're doing right. but at the same time like this is like you're banking on those tips you're trying to create the best experience for people just like a waitress is i well, mean
2: see, the thing is is a lot of a lot of people don't know that outfitters that, you know, the guy's going to come back to the owner and be like, you know, this was, this was junk. I had, you know, seven guys for three days and they gave me a hundred dollars or something, you know, something, something stupid like that. And guess what? Well, if that group calls next year. Even if we're not, we might just be full when they call. You oh, know?
1: oh, exactly. I so, mean, and,
2: we- that's, and that's the way it goes. It's like, you didn't take care of my guys. Like you ain't on our team then type of thing, not to be a jerk, you know, stuff like that, but it doesn't have to be a huge tip. I'm just I'm just saying, you know. If you, I had it one time in South Dakota when I was really young. I Had a group of guys from I don't know where they were from. Doesn't matter, but I don't know. They hunted for a couple of days, and we didn't do overly well. The geese were just kind of getting there. I was,
3: I don't know.
2: There wasn't a lot of geese around. We killed a few, but these guys got all pissed off and threw a five dollar bill at me when they left at me when they left the lodge. I was like,
3: yeah,
1: okay.
2: Like, I don't know how that's my fault. Like I did everything I was supposed to, but okay, like.
1: Yeah, no. Yeah. I am with you on that. Dude. We had we had one guy this year. I mean, if he ever calls again, I'm never I'm never picking up his phone call cuz I mean, we had guys dude, this guy could not this guy had something wrong with his leg, like couldn't walk or whatever really well um and I mean, he's like, "Yeah, if you could get like an A frame hide, that'd be great." Da 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 hunted with us for three days by himself, booked by himself. And like, we did everything that we could to like, make sure that he was comfortable, whatever it is. And literally wiping his ass. Like he literally asked one of our guides to load his gun for him. I'm like, your hands aren't broken, dude. Like you can do this yourself. And just being a dick the entire weekend. And we're shooting birds all three days. And, gives us a $30 tip for three days. Yeah. I'm like, dude, we, wi- like, we literally wiped your ass this entire weekend.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've had it at places where,
1: and sometimes guys don't know what to tip. That's another thing too. Oh, a hundred percent. And that's like, I but think that's probably a little bit of it as well. Um, just for the guys that are on a
2: $200 a day, migrator rig hunt. You know, you figure, you know, 20%, of the hunt costs, yeah. Just like, I mean, it's I mean, it's just
1: like a re- like literally like, everything's like a, pretty, a restaurant, same a kind world. of deal. Like if you're gonna tip somebody, like twenty percent is usually what you would tip at a right. restaurant. That's so the same thing.
2: What I'm saying is like two hundred percent of on a two hundred or twenty percent on a two hundred dollar hunt isn't much, you know. Like no, yeah. And I'm not saying you gotta give the guy the world, you know. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if you budget an extra hundred and fifty dollars and tip your guide individually fifty dollars a day, like that's totally acceptable. You know, it's those it's those guys that hunt for three days, and I mean, I have, I had guys from I don't know where the heck they're from father son. Not only did they leave their birds in the back of my truck, they didn't leave me a tip either. Yeah, like it's like come on, guys. Like
3: yeah, oh one hundred
2: percent. Bad, you know. Some bad, I mean, I ran uh, I ran a group of it was a mixed group of seven for three days, and god the tip was only like 200 dollars for seven guys dude, that's the kind of stuff that's like unacceptable
1: oh yeah dude and then we had like i mean we yeah, had another if
2: everybody if everybody you know worst case situation everybody in my group throws in 50 bucks and i get a 350 dollars tip like that's yeah. that's acceptable yeah you know so I'm, and i'm not saying i'm not trying to throw out numbers and trying to tell people what to give like that's yeah. not my job obviously it's an interpretation of the performance of your guide yeah but what i'm saying, be fair even if the hunting's not good you know, because not, not only does the guide have to sit out there when the hunting isn't good and burn every day and not have a good time, you know, you being grumpy and not tipping him is just adding to the frustration of trying to figure out why the geese aren't working or, you know, why are we why are we not killing these things at this period, in this moment in time type of thing? It's just another added level of frustration when guys get pissed off and call the owner, or take it out on the guide or, you know, just like I said, it just comes back to that right group of clientele that they accept the fact that it's hunting
0: yeah oh I god the,
2: that's just the way it is
1: yeah and i mean we had i mean we had another group this year like i think we killed like 25 geese and two bands with like a group of seven and we did a draw for all the bands the two bands and for some odd reason like me and the other guide were the last two guides and we got we both got the bands and right i'm like
2: Fair draw. I mean, as an, as a yeah. guide or not I mean, you could just not put yourself in the drawing. But I guess if you're yeah. shooting and feeling your limit too, I guess I guess you were entitled to the drawing either way. I mean,
1: yeah. And I told I told them I was like, guys, I can redraw. Like, I really don't give a shit about the bands at all. Like, I told them like, well, I'll, I'll redraw. It's not that big of a deal. And like, there was a we uh, mixed groups. so it was a group of four and a group of three. The group of three was like, yeah, no, you guys are fine. You worked for them. You were shooting with us. Like, it's a okay with us. Like, don't worry about it. The group of four didn't say anything, and then they were very mad, and they, I guess, did not tip. And I'm like, guys, lit- if you would have spoke up, I would have redrawed it in a second, and I just wouldn't even put myself in. But they were like, yeah, no, it's fine. And, I mean, that's, that's controversial, like, if you're in the drawing or not, no matter, like, who you are. But, like, we were shooting as well, and I just felt like, yeah, it was fine. Like, we had that seven guys. Yeah, like it was at
2: the end of the day, I don't even really see what the big deal is. If you want an aluminum circle to put on your fancy necklace with your calls on it, I'll cut you a circle out of a pop can. Yeah. Like I It's just an aluminum it's just an aluminum circle, guys. Like don't freak out. I mean I I see it from both standpoints. I I mean I get it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh I yeah, no, I was like,
2: typically if I'm guiding and there's one shot, I don't I don't enter the drawing, but a lot of times I'm not shooting just like a lady working with young dogs. Yeah. And in Canada you're not allowed as a guide, you're not you're not allowed to carry a gun shoot with the customers. And sometimes in Missouri, if I got if I got like big groups, I won't. But if I got like smaller groups, like a two, three, or four, you know, I'll carry my gun and help them. You know, I'll shoot some geese or whatever. But I I didn't I didn't I mean I haven't shot a lot of geese this spring personally. Like yeah. I said, I've been working at at young young yellow lab, and I don't know. I didn't even put in that was I wasn't even shooting a gun with an extension. On it. I was just shooting three shells. You know, the old ammo shortage. I didn't feel I just want to make sure I had enough for South Dakota.
1: Yeah. Oh, I hear you on that. Yeah. I mean. Kind but, of personal, yeah, I- no matter where you go, and I mean, like, I I haven't put myself in drawings a lot of times, because I just don't feel like it. And But I was like, you know what? Well, like, we were shooting too. Might as well just throw it in. I know we're probably not going to get in. Then we got it, and I was like, fuck. Like, I I didn't throw myself in a drawing for the rest of the year, because I was like, yeah, I, I feel bad for the people, because they got fucking... They were mad, and I'm like, you know what? Like, the three guys that Said it was fine. They're like, yeah, you worked hard. Like, it's it's okay with us. Like, they tipped us great. Like, they tipped us unbelievably great. And right. the other guys were bad about it. It was like a dad and like three of his kids that were like twenty years old or whatever, and they were not happy about it. I'm like, well, I'm like, sorry. Like, I told you we could have redraw. Like, if you would have spoke up, I would have had no question, and I would have just redone it. But yeah. nobody said anything, so I was like, well, okay.
2: We also know The guy just gets a bad group, too. I'm and then, not saying they were, they're a bad group. I mean, I can understand why they're frustrated, but if you offered to redraw, I mean, then that's kind of on them at that point.
1: Yeah, but. like, I I said it, like, twice. I was like, guys, like, I, I don't care if I have the band or not. I have bands on my lanyard already. Like, I mean, a lot, and, like, you'll see, like, some guys, like, I mean, some guys will just not even have a drawing. They'll slip the bands or whatever, and it's each their own, and I mean, it is what it is sometimes, but just
2: how it goes. But yeah, I mean, I don't sometimes to get a bad group, but then a lot of times, you know, these places that get get you know repeat repeat customers, it's kind of like you get excited for certain groups to come in because they kind of fit all oh, these yeah. para- these parameters. You know, they're they're there on a guys trip, they're there to hang out with their friends. You know, you get a lot of groups where like it's a group of friends from college that came from you know five different states, and it's it's kind of a get together type of thing. And if they kill great, if not, you know, whatever, it's it's hunting, You know, I mean. Just you know, those are the types. You know, they take care of their guides. You know, good attitudes. You know, it, it, there's a, there's a good a good for like a good bunch of you know clients out there that that meet those those standards. Just every once in a while, you get a you know a new group that might be a little poopy. If they didn't kill enough geese or whatever. But for the most part, I actually I deal with I'd say the ninety five percent good ones, and they might not even be a five percent for the bad ones. Honestly, I think it might be lower than that. But yeah. It just it just seems like it goes so much smoother if the, if there's just not any client, you know, guide, client owner drama. Yeah. Per
1: se. Yeah. You know. No, I hear you on that. Yeah, it just uh, depends depends on the group. I mean, it is what it is. Not saying anyone's bad or anything. It's just it's just how all their, you know, attitude is that day. They could have had a bad night the night before and now they're pissed and now it's just like, yeah. Don't need to take it out on the guide though.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I know for sure.
1: You know, you know, you got to do what you got to do, and it's just how it is.
2: Right. But, I think that's, that's about the end of the notes. I actually wrote some notes up. This one was actually somewhat organized,
0: but. Yeah, dude. We were dialed.
2: Yeah, we were. I mean, I think that's about all of it. I just kind of wanted to explain the difference between feed hunts and migrator hunts, the price points.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch bird of solid age. information on people that wanna bird, come do that.
2: Bird age versus bird age jubies <laughs> versus adults. That's covered that. Hunt <laughs> etiquette covered that. Yeah. Judy covered that. Client dogs covered that. Yeah, I think we about got everything I wanted to talk about.
1: Dude, this is the entire wrap for what people need to listen to before going
2: on a spring snow goose hunt. I didn't really cover number number expectations. If you really want to get that detailed but a lot of these guys come you know the worst thing you can do my backup when you book a spring snow hunt the worst thing you can do the week leading up to your snow hunt is go on youtube and watch habitat flats yeah. or you know any other sort of outfitter that had you know oh we're gonna go on YouTube and watch a hundred plus bird shoots until we go on our trip. Yeah. Well that's yeah that's cool but it's not realistic.
3: Yeah.
2: You know a good day of hunting migrators is is 20 to, uh, to, you know, 40. Yeah. Oh, like, you need to, people also, that's another reason why you run into that client, you know, guide slash owner conflict is because these guys just get so hyped up and get so excited. And they show up and they, you know, it's not like they thought it would be. Well, the way that it is on YouTube, is anybody ever going to post a bad hunt on YouTube? No. First, First of all. Mm-mm. The guys that are posting the videos of the hundred plus bird shoots don't do that every day. No. In fact, they probably don't even some of them don't even do it once a year. You know, so everybody just gets these such high standards from these, you know, YouTube videos and whatever hunting shows and stuff like that. And which I mean, it does happen. Like you do, there's days where you do kill a hundred migrating geese. It, it happens. Yeah. But, I mean, your expectations going in should be, hey, these geese are literally the most hunted waterfowl on the planet. Yeah. The only time they get to rest is June, July, August. Otherwise, the other nine months are legal to shoot somewhere.
0: Yeah. Oh, exactly.
2: You know, September, October in Canada, November, December, January in North Dakota, down to Kansas, and then February, spring snow to opens up in Arkansas, and they're shot all the way back up. So, you know, people need to really just, sit. I mean, get excited to go on the hunt because of what could happen. But don't expect it to happen, if that makes
1: sense. I mean, you also have to look at it as, like, if you shoot 20 honkers, that's a great day. Just because that's... there's a shit ton more birds doesn't mean that it's right. any less if you shoot 20 birds.
2: Yeah, a lot of people get caught up in that no plugs, no limits hype. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, well, there's no limit. You know, we should be able to kill a hunter today. It's like, if it was that easy, everybody would be doing it, Val. That's
1: not... Oh, 100%. You know? And you have to like, remember the guys like that are... Gonna... Coming in there and they haven't shot their gun all season, and it's you like you
2: up with seven guys on a hawker hunt and you kill twenty birds. People want to take pictures and they're like, "Oh, this is great." You get a group of seven and they kill twenty-one snows and only want to take a picture behind their dead birds because it wasn't enough. And it's like, what's the difference between hawkers and Soviets? Like, yeah, uh, I don't get it. I don't know. Everybody's after that just huge pile, you know. And then when they don't get it, they get disappointed. It's like it doesn't happen all the time. Trust me, I've been chasing these things. Since- since I was 12 years old, you know, 17 years now, I've been hunting snow geese in one way, shape, or form, whether it was guiding or fun hunting with my friends or whatever. It's like, it doesn't happen all the time. Yeah, (laughs) Believe believe me.
1: And you have to remember, too, guys think that just because they have a plug, they're going to shoot better.
3: Not the
2: case.
1: Go shoot your gun before you're going on a hunt. Just like you would practice a presentation before a meeting in front of your company. Like, go Mm -hmm. Go shoot that gun. Go feel like you're ready. Just because you have a plug doesn't mean that you're going to hit every bird. Uh, just because you have an extension tube doesn't mean you're going to hit every bird.
3: Yes. I agree.
1: And that's the other thing I feel like people expect. Oh, just because we can shoot 15 shells out of our gun. means that we're going to kill the shit out of them. Like, right. You can shoot 15 shells out of your gun. You might only kill one. And if you're only volleying one out of every flock. And you only have five, six flocks really do it, you're really right. only killing six birds. But then you're right. expecting to shoot a hundred because you have an extension dupe.
2: Right.
1: So right. I feel like and that's another thing.
2: Right. Guys just get just get so jacked up and you know, and, and I would I would get really, really excited too and hope I kill a hundred every day if I only hunted snow geese for three days out of the year, booking a guide hunt. Yeah. i would be pumped. I'd be pumped when I get on that trip. Like, I see it from both sides, but I'm just saying, you know, don't set, I mean, I'm not saying set your expectations low, but just, you know, go in with an open mind, you know, you know, be ready to not kill a hundred.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: If you shoot a <laughs> like, hundred, like,
2: like if I you said, shoot a hundred, like, great. If you don't, that's right? probably,
1: that's probably the reality.
2: Yes, exactly. Especially this day and age. I mean, like I said, these geese are only really getting smarter. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what it's like when they get to South Dakota. Is there any of these any of these young birds left or not? No. <laughs> They've been hanging down south a long time yeah. with the cold temps, and every day there's more of them poor little Jewy boys getting shot. I hope some make it up here.
1: <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that, brother. I heard yeah. that. Yeah, people just gotta, you know, just expect what's the reality, and don't get your head right. get get your head in the clouds. Right so yeah i hear you on that i hear You're you sure? yeah dude that was killer i mean is there anything else that you kind of wanted to go over because i mean we covered the hell out of that
2: yeah i'm not sure i kind of just wanted to get more of the you know the client stuff for the client side because you know everybody everybody's all like talks about you know how they hunt where they hunt you know whatever but it's never i don't really think there's ever been a guide like a written hand handbook for you know clients that are going on a hunt or anything like that and i just kind of wanted to clear the air on on some things i mean it's kind of a boring segment i know but there's not a lot of people that go in depth with what a guide expects from its customer it's always what the expect you know what the customers expect from the guide or what the customer expects from the outfit or it's never it's never the other way around and when you get it going good both ways it's a lot of fun you yeah.
1: know oh exactly I'm with you on that, brother, and I appreciate you jumping on.
2: Yes, sir. You'll have to sneak out to South Dakota here pretty soon, I imagine. Come try to shoot a goose or two again.
1: Oh, I heard that. Yeah, I'll definitely be out there. (laughs) You just got to let me know when I'll be out there with you.
2: Well, they got to get here first, hopefully before the 23rd.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that would be the ideal scenario.
2: Uh, One way or another.
1: I heard that. Is Cody coming out there again?
2: Yep, Cody will be out here um and will be out here i think they're coming like monday tuesday to help get these decoys on stakes they got to do that we're going to go drill in. well hopefully every stake we have here there's a trailer that's got to come over from illinois still with riley that's got another 1100 full bodies and 300 floaters in it but other than that 1100 full bodies we'll have the other i don't know 2900 or 2800 stakes drilled in ready for decoys to be put on but we're probably not going to put them on until next week sometime when some of my help shows up but yeah we're going to at least get the stakes drilled in this weekend. That way, maybe we can go have a little a little hoorah celebration for Patty's Day weekend before we before we start guiding snows here. And most of the work will be done before we celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Now, I'm a big Irish family over here, so a guy's oh, got to yeah. self- celebrate the infamous holiday, you know? Exactly. I heard that, brother. But yeah, also, dude. A guy just, just kind of needs a break from the snow. He's saying, gosh, I've been... I've been running hard since. God, I was in Canada in September and I haven't, haven't quit. So this is like the longest like streak I've had off. Yeah, I started August September, so <laughs> kind of a nice little break. Anyway, I'm ready to get back after it though.
3: Yeah. Oh,
1: I hear you on that.
2: <laughs> I should be on TLC. Strange addiction. <laughs> Strange addictions. I'm addicted to snow geese. I have a problem.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. But well, yeah, dude, I appreciate you jumping on and. Yeah. I mean, get ready to get after him, son.
2: Bet. I'll keep you posted, let you know how we do. All
1: right, brother. Yeah, sounds like a plan.
2: All right, yeah, I'll shout at you later.
1: All right, I'll see you.